Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder center in Seattle, Washington. I'm your host, Carter Umhow, a therapist, artist, and writer. And today I have the privilege of talking with Erin Dreschler, who is the founder of The Garment Project. The Garment Project is an amazing organization that collects and unsizes clothing for people in recovery from eating disorders. So as you might imagine, unsizing is literally removing the sizes um, and then creating and styling a wardrobe for a select amount of clients that get to work with them and provided this amazing, amazing service. In talking with Erin today, you'll get to hear about both the founding of The Garment Project, what it's all about, and then also her own process of recovery. Hi, Erin. Welcome. Hi, Carter. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad to talk to you. So tell us, um, what is The Garment Project? So The Garment Project was founded in February of 2017. It was founded by my husband and I, Jordan. We spent about two years researching different nonprofits and just what options were out there for clothing and eating disorder recovery. Throughout my eating disorder treatment, clothing played a huge role, and I knew that I couldn't be alone in this struggle. That's kind of where the idea behind The Garment Project came from. So those two years were spent just kind of researching how do we even start, where do we begin, and then in alignment with National Eating Disorder Week in 2017, we decided to put the idea out there and just see what kind of reception we would receive. So we were reaching out to different um, national retailers and different treatment centers across the U.S. to form relationships and got to a point where we were able to provide brand new sizeless clothing to women as they transition home from their eating disorder treatment. Wow. As I mentioned, clothing was always huge in my recovery, but it was also huge in my eating disorder. And I knew that there had to be a way to look at clothing and fashion in a more positive way throughout your recovery process. And that's, that's kind of the hope and the mission behind, behind the Garment Project. I would love to know more about what you mean by clothing and fashion being such a big part of both your eating disorder and then your recovery. What did that look like for you? I mean, even even in the early stages of my eating disorder, fashion has always played a huge role in my life. I've worked in retail for the past 15 or 16 years. I've always just loved clothing, and it's always been a way for me to express myself. And as I developed further into my eating disorder and began engaging in more and more behaviors, my clothing served as an extension of that and almost acted as, as a benchmark throughout my eating disorder progress. So learning how to use my clothing in a new way was something that I really struggled with throughout the early stages of my, my eating disorder recovery. But once I was able to kind of let go of that number that I attached to my self-worth and my, my well-being, I was able to find confidence in other aspects of my life. So then it kind of eliminated that pressure that I felt walking into a store and trying on clothes and seeing a number that I might not be quite as familiar with. The goal isn't to, at least for myself personally, wasn't to kind of pull the wool over my eyes and, and you know, shop sizeless for the rest of my life. It was essentially just to give me enough headspace and that that window, that period of time that I needed to realize that I had a lot more to offer than the number on that tag 
and then it kind of lost its power over me. So using fashion as a way to express myself in a brand new way without having the sizes um, get in the way of, of that. How did you go about kind of removing the attachment to the sizing when you were recovering? So, I mean, the first thing that I did was just chop all the sizes out of my existing clothes. I think one of the hardest things about transitioning home from treatment and stepping down and back into your everyday life is returning home to a closet full of clothes that might not fit you or your, your recovered lifestyle. So getting rid of a lot of pieces that I was holding on to what, because they had these associations attached to them or, you know, a subconscious drive to eventually fit back into them or something, that was the first step for myself was just getting rid of anything that, that I associated with eating disorder behaviors. And truly, again, it, it really just took some time of putting on the clothes every day, not seeing that constant reminder of, of that number in, in there and being able to get dressed in the morning to not have to think about it and, you know, tackle the day in a different way than I was in my, my years of eating disorder. That's so powerful. There was a um, an outing that I know that Opal does sometimes where they'll take the clients shopping and mm-hmm. L- Lexi, our co-founder, will remove the tags or hide the tags in some way and make sure that the staff in the stores is just, you know, kind of covering everything. And it's amazing to watch people find more freedom to try so many more things on and spend some more time actually finding a size that fits rather than being like, oh, okay, that doesn't work. That's too small. Okay, I'm done. I'm horrible. I'm this. I'm that. Because there's no reference point anymore. Absolutely. It allows you to truly figure out your sense of style and what you truly feel comfortable in and what you feel good in versus the arbitrary number on that tag. And I think that's so important. And I I love that Opal already offers that service. And I I truly wish that more centers had the time or resources to be able to offer a, a, a program like that. I was lucky enough to attend a center that also saw the value in that. However, my retail background at the, at the mm. time was, uh, you know, having slight cringes every time we, we tore the tag out of something knowing <laughs> that we were going to be putting it back on the rack. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that's... a slight headache there. <laughs> that makes sense. That's a, like, absolute mess for the staff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but so necessary. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when you created the Garment Project, I can imagine that sizing and removing the sizing was incredibly important. Were there other factors that you were considering as well? So one of my favorite things about doing this work, and it truly is an honor to get to do this because I get to really practice my styling skills and I am able to curate a selection for each individual that not only makes them feel good, but matches their personality and their style. Each candidate is able to provide us with a style questionnaire that helps me get to know a little bit about their preferences some other style icons, some brands they already gravitate towards. And with that information, I'm able to put together an entire wardrobe for each person. And that is truly my favorite aspect of this job is, is getting to style each candidate individually, get to know each person on a, like a, a pretty private level. We were able to style candidates without even knowing their name. So everything is, is very confidential, very private. But the best part about it is 
even with all of that, still feeling like we get to know each individual and we're pulling pieces that are specific to them and would make them feel really good. That seems like such a gift and and so highly attuned to a particular person. I would imagine there might be some process in terms of like kind of selecting who you work with or is it open to everybody? So we obviously work directly with an individual therapist. Our communication with, with each candidate is very limited. Um, our only communication is the style questionnaire. So our relationship with each candidate is kind of built through the therapist and we, when we are looking for new treatment centers or new individuals to work with, it truly comes down to our relationship with the center and the ability for that therapist to advocate on behalf of their client. There's obviously no right or wrong point in a person's treatment process that you can pinpoint, you know, and, and like there's this, this switch that flicks and everything makes sense. That, that rarely exists. So for us, it's really about finding a, a right point in somebody's process where they, when they're maybe trying on clothes and if something would not work, they would understand that it's the clothing fault. It has nothing to do with, with their body. And, you know, what are they doing differently? You know, it's, it's not to say that there are definitely going to be slips and spirals, but just what steps is each individual taking to, to make it look different this time around? And those are the type of candidates that I think are really, really perfect for the garment service and seem to benefit the most from the entire experience, not just from receiving new clothing. Like myself personally, looking back on my experience, there was a lot of times in my treatment experience that I really would have benefited from clothing that fit. However, I might not have been in the right headspace to fully take advantage of the entire experience. So we truly rely on our relationships with, with their therapists to, to find the right match and the right time in their process. Can you describe a little bit more about how you would know um, the difference maybe between someone's mindset that would, would be ready to receive all of that rather than just receive some new clothes, <laughs> like kind of the more of the emotional process? Our process with our therapist is we have a couple, couple different phone conversations. And the first conversation usually just ex- explains the process, what information we need in order to make sure we are pulling an accurate selection for each individual. The second phone call, that's whenever we really get to speak a little bit more on the client's behalf. And we, we really just want to know a little bit about the type of lifestyle they'll be returning to, like what steps have they put in place to ensure success once they are stepping down and returning home. You know, we we ask that they have an outside treatment team set up. We truly rely on the information from the therapist to, if they're willing to advocate on behalf of, of their client and explain to us, you know, why this person deserves the service, then we are we will do everything in our power to get them them clothing. So what happens once they get the clothing? Yeah, we, we talk a little bit about the experience with, with their therapist. We encourage the therapist to act as a mirror. I know for myself, whenever I was on the in the early stages and trying on new clothes, I, I tend to I would tend to nitpick and kind of get stuck on certain items if they weren't working for me. So instead of having a mirror there, we really encourage the therapist to to act as their mirror and ask questions that have little to do with the fit and more to do with 
the comfort and the patterns. You like this print. Does this color make you happy? Things like that. And then as far as the actual boxes of clothing go, we, we really do tend to style each box individually so that whenever each candidate opens up a box, they have outfits that are already ready to go. I understand that this can be overwhelming for a lot of different reasons, but if somebody is new to the fashion world, that's something that I really can help with. So I tend to already have preset outfits as guidelines ready to go. And then I also include a style guide that we recommend having handy during the try-on that kind of touches on each piece, how to wear it, different ways to style it, and how to mix and match your new outfit so that you can get the most of it. Oh my goodness. It sounds like you're introducing them to like so many new things, both like ushering them into a new way of being in their body, a new way of understanding fashion, certainly a new relationship to the mirror with their therapist being the primary reflection. Yeah. Um, That's really, really cool. What have you um, heard about in terms of some of the like massive impact I'm imagining you're having on these clients? Oh, it's, so humbling. It is just such an honor to be able to to do this. And it's very reassuring to hear the feedback that we have received. I mean, we've seen immense success. It was our goal for 2019 to style 10 candidates, and we are well on our way. We've made our way through seven, and we do expect to hit our goal by the end of this year. It has been... Brings tears to my eyes still to, to read the feedback after each individual try on. Certain things that kind of stand out to me. I love hearing when a client repeatedly is expressing that, oh, this piece is so me. Whenever for months was having a really hard time figuring out their identity without their eating disorder. So hearing that they're finding clothing, which can be so difficult to find in the first place, but they're finding clothes that make them feel confident. And we've heard that from every single individual we've had the, the honor of styling thus far. And it's not even just from the candidates. It's really wonderful to hear how much fun the therapists have throughout this entire experience. We try to make it really quick and simple because we know how limited um, the resources and the time can be for each, each individual. So it is a, a pretty quick process, so we really try and make it as like fun and easy as we can for each therapist involved as well. Really, I mean, we've heard individuals tell us that they feel like they are now able to interview for the jobs that they want, and they feel like they are truly set up for success now, and that, that's all we can really hope for. That's been my, my goal from day one is to truly set each individual up for success as they enter a really, you know, fragile state of their recovery. That is so poignant to me to think about kind of the fragility of that state, just the way that you put it, because, I mean, to be in treatment for months or or longer and to do so much emotional work in order to get better and then come home to a closet that doesn't work at all anymore or to have your surroundings maybe look the same, but you're maybe in a really different body, definitely in a different mindset, hopefully too. It's such a cool thing to think about this gift of really getting to have a not just a fresh start, but sort of this boost as well into a new way of getting to be in their lives and their bodies. That is the goal. And you, you, internally, you're, you're 
facing so many different things than you were a few months ago, but externally your environment may have truly, truly stayed stagnant. And that can be a really hard thing to, to step back into after you've made so many huge changes in your own life. I mean, the financial burden of having to replace a wardrobe um, is something that can be very daunting as, as well as, as we know the cost of treatment can be very expensive. So it's something that I think being able to fully provide an entire wardrobe to each candidate, I think really just sets them up on the, on the right track. I'm curious about kind of how you would imagine some of the things that you all are able to offer through the Garment Project applying to people that maybe aren't your clients and yeah. wouldn't receive the boxes, um, but are also stepping down from treatment or really in the thick of kind of the beginning of life after recovery. What would you want them to kind of understand about fashion or being in their bodies in a different way? My biggest takeaway, and I think one of my favorite things about hosting these volunteer events where people from our community can come and they are helping us measure and detag and log our inventory. I think all of our biggest takeaways from those days is hands-on getting to see how arbitrary that number is. Mm. We'll receive multiple items in the same size from the same retailer and every single piece will measure differently. So to me, that, that should be, you know, for our, our volunteers, that, that is very eye-opening to them to see those discrepancies even within the same retailer and within the same item. So know that, that the sizing itself doesn't mean anything, but there are little steps I think that everybody can take to, to make this process a little bit easier for myself initially getting rid of anything that I knew wasn't going to work for me, not even trying it on. I, I didn't want to put myself through that really just getting rid of those items and cutting the tags out of the pieces that did work for me. And eventually those numbers really do lose their power. And for myself, it almost became very empowering to almost laugh at the fact that I used to get so hung up over, over a number on a, a tag whenever I know for myself I have more important things to offer and to say than to get caught up with, with, with things like that. So I, I really do think there are little things that can be done just on a, a smaller scale to make the process a little bit easier. Those are awesome tips. I, I I think I'm curious to hear more too around like some of the some of the body image things that got to change for you maybe with the lack of sizing in your clothes. It, it allowed you to focus on other things, but were you able to see your body differently too? Definitely. They always used to tell me that body image was one of the last things to go, <laughs> and I I agree with that definitely. My recovery process. It, Looking back on it, it's kind of, it's very interesting to me because probably is this way for a lot of people, but there was no one moment that I, you know, I realized that this was getting easier, but I remember looking at a photo of myself and the first things that I remember recalling were how happy I looked mm -hmm. and the, the background and the, um, you know, my, uh, my husband was in the photo with me and. I had never been able to do that before. My mind would go towards eating disorder behaviors whenever I would see photos of myself. So that was kind of this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't realize this was happening. But now looking back over the last couple of weeks, I was maybe not 
being able to pick up something and put it on in the morning and not have that initial trigger of, of seeing that number truly like it wasn't, it wasn't immediate, but like over the course of a few weeks or a few months, eventually once I forgot about that and my mind started to really focus on other things, a few weeks later I was able to look back and just be like, Oh my gosh, I, I hadn't thought about that in weeks. And I owe that to, to me being able to like to truly see myself as something more than just that size. That is that's really moving me. <laughs> yeah, that's really that's really cool to think about um, some of the changes that you can start noticing in your own life or your own attitude toward yourself. Sometimes those changes are the things that we like don't notice for weeks or months on end, and yeah. you can look back and go, "Oh, wow, I'm I'm really treating myself differently now." When my response was excitement I was like oh my gosh I'm on to something like yeah. <laughs> it was when I realized that I was actually feeling proud of myself for you know going weeks without having that thought I was like this is actually possible and I started to see glimpses of what a real recovered life looked like and I loved it and I you know it wasn't this dream world of you know like solving all of life's problems and everything was perfect it was a real recovered life and it was worth it. it. And it, it felt really good. Mm. I feel like it's always interesting to hear kind of what recovery means to different people. Can you say more about, about what that means to you? Yeah. I think that was like one of my biggest takeaways the last time I went through treatment was understanding that everyone's version of a recovered life looks very different. And mine was like, I almost wanted, I don't even want to call it normalcy, but I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel my feelings and understanding that recovered life wasn't going to be, you know, me climbing Mount Everest or me, you know, solving, curing cancer and like doing all of these like huge, huge impactful things. Recovered life was me being able to go out to dinner with my dad to celebrate a, a work event or being able to sit quietly on the couch with my husband after, you know, a long day and we can just be able to relax and be with each other and feel as though I can like actually be in that moment. And once I realized that it was, it was actually just real life, mm. it, it got even more exciting because I, I was no longer numb. I was feeling there were moments that I could actually enjoy and feel happy about, but then there were also moments that hit me harder than they would have in my eating disorder because I was no longer engaging in behaviors to numb out those feelings. And even in those moments, the person I became after going through those things made me really proud. And I'm very grateful for everything that I've learned and everything that I've gone through because if it weren't for my eating disorder I don't think I would be the the person that I am today and I, I think going through this this process helps people kind of like strip down and go back to basics in my mind I, I almost feel like I have a better relationship with food in my body than a lot of my peers do just because I have such an appreciation for what my body's been through and for what food can do for me and Stripping myself of so many of those things before, I will never take advantage of it again. 
I think I just kind of annoyingly spew this like body confidence because <laughs> I worked really, really hard to get here. And I, I think that everybody should be able to feel this way about themselves. Oh, thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's so it's so wonderful to hear. Um, and I, I feel particularly moved by the idea of recovery being both bigger and smaller than you thought it would be. Like that it's not this huge grandiosity or massive accomplishment of being able to sort of like take over the world or something. Because I think that, I mean, every eating disorder is so different, but I think eating disorders can be so wrapped into the perfection of, of needing to accomplish and needing to be perfect and, you know, all of these different things. And so to just actually kind of get into that gray area of like, oh, I feel some more. Like I feel, I feel more feelings, but I can now like be in the more mundane moments in a really special present way with ease. Feeling like I have, I'm so much closer with the people in my life. And like, that is definitely one of the the biggest positives to recovery in my mind, but I, not only the people in my life, but with myself, like being able to feel like I am just finally at a point where I'm, I'm comfortable with who I am and with what I have to say. And I would do anything to let others know that they have people rooting for them across mm-hmm. the country and, and want that same thing for them. And one of the things that I used to, repeat to myself over and over again was for the girls who think they can't. And for, in my mind, it was just a constant reminder to, you know, whether it was to take that bite or to, you know, sit still for a few minutes, like for, for somebody who feels like they're just really stuck in their, in their ways, like I'm going to do this. And I, I, again, I feel honored that I get to be, be a voice in this and hopefully help other people reach that same point in their life. So, Erin, I know you know this already, but we are just waiting so earnestly for some boxes to arrive for an Opal client any day now, like today maybe. Yeah. Um, and I know that Lexi has been, um, she's the main point person on that and has just been so excited and so looking forward to the process of getting to kind of open these boxes with one of the Opal clients. There's a lot of hype around it. So I, I can't wait to hear about that and hear how it goes. We're we're excited. I mean, I was excited to get to know Lexi through this process and get to know this candidate a little bit more and really, I mean, work with Opal because you, they already offer so many resources as far as shopping for clothing goes. And it, I would really just, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to continue the work you're already doing and really just like personalize it on a more, even more individual level. So I'm I'm really grateful to be able to partner with with Opal on this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We're so excited to partner with you and hopefully there will be some other clients headed. Absolutely. Your way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We, we welcome. We, we have, um, currently we are always accepting new inventory and, um, our current inventory is, is always growing. So we're always able to support new candidates as, as appropriate. So, so people um, can donate to, to the government project. Is that how yes. it works? Okay. Yes. Great. Directly through our website, um, you can donate right on the website, and there's uh, a way to connect with us via email if you have any other questions. If you're a, a treatment center or a retailer that, that would like to get involved, you can email us at info at com. 
Perfect. And we will make sure to um, include some of those links to um, learn more about the Garment Project in our show notes as well. So people can find that there. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Erin. It's been so, so cool to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity and I'm, I'm excited to, to continue working together. Thank you. Us too. If you want to learn more about The Garment Project, make sure to check it out at thegarmentproject.org. And if you want to stay in touch with us, follow along on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Opal Food and Body. Or to learn more about our programming, find us at opalfoodandbody.com. You can learn about some of our community events there, too. Thank you so much to Daniel Gunther at Jackstraw Cultural Center for sound engineering, to Aaron Davidson for the Appetites original music, and to Hans Anderson for editing. And thank you for listening. Make sure you join us next time. And if you haven't already, please subscribe so you can be up to date on when our next release is. Talk to you soon. Bye.